You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. This is Inside Purple and Gold. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. We're here to break down nothing. The Vikings did not play Sunday. They played Thursday. Earned a huge win on Thursday over the Patriots. We talked at length about that in Friday's episode. So here we just kind of push the narrative forward. We won't get too much into the Jets yet. We'll talk more about them on Thursday's episode. Certainly a lot to talk about. When it comes to the Jets, way better football team than I think any of us thought. Um, they have a quarterback debacle going on there. <laughs> kind of excited to dig into that. Um, but let's let's like take a step back, look at it with like a 30,000-foot view first, Tom. Um, because this team, they give us a ton of things to talk about. Obviously, they're 9-2, and two, second best record in the NFC, chasing down that number one seed. I want to talk about Justin Jefferson, not because I always want to talk about him, but because when you look at what the record is right now, is he the biggest reason why? Like, does that sound crazy? Because Kirk's had such a good season, but like, yeah, are they nine and two without JJ? I don't think so. Well, I think here's the thing. You have to take Kirk at his word. I know he's a perfectionist. I actually kind of wrote about this and and like he's probably a little too self-critical, which is not something we would have said about Kirk Cousins literally at any other point in his career, at least in Minnesota. Um, But I think there is some justification that he's not playing his best. Like you think of Buffalo game, we think of the heroics late in the in the game. He did throw the ball directly at a player who plays for Buffalo. You're not really supposed to do that. Uh, He had a terrible out route pass. I know O'Connell kind of tried to bail him out. This is um, going to do the game they won on Thanksgiving, but maybe it wasn't the best call. It still was a terribly thrown ball, and he nearly got picked again on a very mm-hmm. similar route that KJ Osborne bailed him out. So, again, I'm being kind of picky there, but I think, you know, as much as like Kyle Brandt wants to <laughs> label Kirk Cousins MVP, I don't think he's driving winning. You know, going back to that Buffalo game, I was sitting next to Will Raggetts, and we saw this is after the, the crazy catch, right? One handed. And then. Yep. He had another catch shortly after that that, you know, almost went over the goal line, obviously. And that's where where Cousins kind of got stuffed. Um, and then the miracle play, I guess, the fumble, the Allen fumble in the end zone. Around that time, he makes another miracle catch. And we were like, dude, this is like a six-win team. There's no Justin Jefferson, you know? I think if you took him out, right, and in the games that he has been taken out, weirdly Detroit, obviously Dallas, there's one other one where, where he didn't play very well. I think he'd be like 
Hawkinson's a good player, but he's not like a transcendent player. Uh, Thielen's maybe not what, what he once was. I don't know if that's injury related, related. I don't know if he's just 32 and this is what 32 receiver year old receivers look like, no matter how great they run their routes. KJ Osborne had an incredible breakout season a year ago. I think it was. And, and considering he looked like a failed special teamer, they got in the fifth round. That's an incredible leap. Good on him. But he hasn't like taken another leap where you're like, man, he's a deep threat or something in this offense. So you take Justin Jefferson out of this. Cook isn't enough. The other offensive weapons aren't enough. I think that's why we're talking about him driving, winning, being an MVP is Sounds counterintuitive. The, the quarterback has to throw in the ball. But to be fair, all Kirk has to do is throw in the ball. He seems to make a play on every play. Yeah. The the MVP odds, we use DraftKings Sportsbook. I don't know. It's something Jace picked long ago and something we've just stuck with. Mm-hmm. But DraftKings Sportsbook, they do a good job. Right now, Patrick Mahomes is minus 160 to win the MVP. He's, he's going to win the MVP unless something crazy happens. I think mm-hmm. Jalen Hurts obviously has an outside chance to a – has an outside chance, mm-hmm. but it, it's Patrick Mahomes' MVP to win at minus one sixty. Kirk plus eight thousand. Okay, like that's like a. I think at one point this season he got as high as like plus like seven thousand, plus five thousand okay. maybe when when he was like in his peak. Yeah, Justin Jefferson's plus ten thousand, and and I, and I get it. Like receivers don't win this award; it's a quarterback's award. It, not even just receivers don't win this award. Nobody except quarterbacks win this award. You know, obviously the last MVP, not a quarterback to win the award, Adrian Peterson in 2012. Mm-hmm. That was the, the year he went over 2000. Pretty deserving. Um, yeah. Yeah. Even he deserved it. Crazy thing about that year. If a receiver was ever going to win the MVP award, that was the same year Calvin Johnson had like 1900, almost 2000 receiving. Interesting. Yards. And it was just completely overshadowed by the fact that, that Adrian Peterson rushed for 2000, almost 2100. Um, and, he, and he ran away literally with, with that MVP award. So I get it. I get why Justin Jefferson is still so high because like realistically, he's not going to win the award. I think it's more of something where we need to like talk, like almost reevaluate how we vote on this thing. And and I get it. Quarterbacks are the most important position on the field. It's like arguably the, I would say inarguably the most important position in sports like that. If, if a quarterback's good, you're good. If a quarterback's bad, you're bad. If a quarterback's above average, you can kind of get by, but the, the quarterback obviously is the engine that makes the thing go. But Justin Jefferson being plus 10,000 just seems kind of absurd to me right now because of everything you said, Tom. Like mm-hmm. the Vikings maybe win six games without him. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just think he's um, he's delivered on this kind of promise that he's like, I'm going to give Kirk a reason to throw me the ball, right? Like, mm-hmm. like we've talked about before. I think it was in the previous show. Uh, there's times when in your head you do the calculus and you're like, he just doesn't have enough leverage or there's too many guys around him and he, and he makes this play, right? I think um, – the reward itself, I mean, you're right. Like it took it took Adrian Peterson threatening to break like an NFL record, right? And, and um, think about it. Even we haven't talked about defensive players. Like supposedly a lockdown corner who's the crux of a defense. If that defense, like you think of 17 Vikings and Xavier Rhodes, right? Like mm-hmm. that guy should be in this conversation, right? The the linebacker. So if it's Barr or whoever that is who's running the defense, kind of should be in that conversation because defense can be that important, especially you know, as you're making a playoff push, whether you're playing in, in important games. I, uh, 
first of all, part of me goes, it should be Mahomes because we shouldn't overrate his greatness. Right. You know, like, like I get sometimes people go, I don't know how many, you know, this guy didn't have this many MVP rewards. And then you actually go through the years and you're like, well, it was obviously this guy that year. It was obviously this guy that year. There's no shame in being like the third best player in the league five years in a row. You know what I mean? Or something like that. Um, But I do think we should recognize the greatness. And I understand how Patrick Mahomes is more central to the Kansas City Chiefs winning football games than Justin Jefferson is for the Vikings. Having said that, those those odds are insane. It's Vegas being smart. I mean, obviously, they run some calculus on this and they understand how the award goes. But A, like Cousins shouldn't be higher than him. B, like there's other players. I don't want to go list like every guy on that chart or whatever. But there's other guys who, who should not be anywhere close to what Justin Jefferson is. Having said that, I've always found that because you know i watch the minnesota teams universally pretty closely the rest of the league less so i go i know how important justin jefferson is because i see him on a game-to-game play-to-play basis right i'm seeing what he does on a crucial third down in the second quarter where someone who's just a casual football fan like who's not like charting the games or whatever may go dude i see these sweet catches i see the buffalo one i see you know i've seen him gritty in the end zone enough he's probably pretty good he's there a lot um but he doesn't they don't see kind of these nuances of like kirk just kind of being like i don't know where to go with the ball third down justin jefferson's somewhere over there right and so um i you know i'm not putting him above my homes any other guy i like i like jalen hurts I, the Eagles are great. I still see fallibility within the Eagles, right? And I'm like that. I wouldn't be certain that he's the number two guy come the end of the year, right? And you could also see the the stock of someone else go up. But Josh Allen, if you just watch the Vikings, you'd be like, well, he got picked by, twice by Patrick Peterson and whatever, you know, made some mistakes or whatever. I think a fully healthy Josh Allen or even one who mm-hmm. who is able to overcome a UCL injury, which I still think is insane, and leads this Bills team he should probably be a, but, but Justin Jefferson's put him in a stratosphere where we're comparing him to quarterbacks for MVP. And therefore it feels like the odds should be better for him. For sure. And, and you, you made a good point about Patrick Mahomes, right? Like he should win the MVP. He can win it every year. It, it's like voter fatigue in the NBA. You see it a lot. Like in LeBron James prime, he should have just won the MVP every year, but I get it. It's like an award that we want to kind of like diversify and, and make it so the same guy isn't winning, make the award race fun. Because if we just gave the MVP award to LeBron James every year in the NBA, then then really what does mm-hmm. it mean? So I get it. Like I think that's a good point about Patrick Mahomes. Like he should probably get another one this year, and he should probably get another one next year and the year after that. He's he's the best player in the NFL. Um, but to see yeah, to see his odds so different than than Justin Jefferson, a guy who impacts winning certainly still at a high level. I. I'm looking just still at this boards and, and we're kind of going all over the place with this now, but like a good example of what the point you're making with like Justin Jefferson's odds should not be that high away from or far away from, from Patrick Mahomes' odds. Tua is plus 500 and Tyreek yeah. Hill's plus 10,000. Like, you know, like, so it's yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is just weighted differently. Like quarterbacks obviously are and then Vegas is smart. Vegas is not going to make these odds leveled at, at any point like vegas is in this thing to make money right so mm-hmm. like they know what they're doing and and obviously there's a formula to all of this like the fact that that patrick mahomes is minus 160 and the fact that justin jefferson's plus 10,000 to win this same award that wasn't just made up out of nowhere that was made up to make money um but i yeah i, I hope at some point in the future and maybe we're trending that way because it seems like receivers are finally viewed as like 
like an impact position in, in, in to the nth degree, right? Like I think yeah. receivers have kind of crossed this threshold, like blown past running backs, probably blown past like edge defenders as like the second most important position on a team. So maybe at some point you'll see a receiver break through and, and, and win this award. Um, but I, I think if Justin Jefferson on the pace he has, he's on right now, is not anywhere remotely in the conversation. It, it means it's going to be a really long time before I, a receiver wins the award. I think this is worth saying. I've always believed that MVP is actually a narrative award. Like it's take take baseball out of it. The problem with baseball is that you can actually evaluate this pretty well, right? And so you can say like Mike Trout might not be in the narrative because right. that team always sucks, but like you know he is the best player. Um, but any other sport, like you, you know, it's easy to compare a an outfielder to a shortstop, right? It's a little tougher with like a receiver, a quarterback and an edge defender. Right. And I think you bring up a good point. We've talked about the linebacker on the defense in the corner, the edge rusher, all these guys talk about how like every team wants two good ones because it's just disruptive. We saw Washington hangs in a game with the Vikings because of their front four. Right. Um, But I think here's the thing, like I'm on board with someone telling me Tua's become the story. I don't think it's there yet, but Tua's become the story no one's taking away from Mahomes' greatness. By the way, like we're gonna think Patrick Mahomes is great based on how many championships they win, how many, how they do season to season record, just what he did for the Chiefs and what we think of that organization and and um and, and whatnot. So I think um it's not as though Mahomes, if you take an MVP away, you know, away from him, that like this hurts his Hall of Fame case or something like this down the road, right? Um, but I think with Tua, if he becomes a story, and I say this as someone who like was really pulling from you know, just given he was in kind of a dysfunctional organization and coming off an injury or whatever, if he becomes a story and the Dolphins are that good, it's worth it. But I think it's worth looking at like these other factors. Like, hey, the Vikings did beat in really tough conditions on the road, beat Miami. They're, you know, they're not that good. <laughs> and the, uh, you know, the other thing is the Tyree Kale angle, the new coach angle. And I think that's the same thing we got to think about with Kirk specifically. He has Justin Jefferson. The coaching does matter. Um, you know, he did have a pretty talented roster around him. Like he, I think Cousins is still some of his parts. Justin Jefferson, like, is fooling some of the best corners in the league mm-hmm. because of the way he runs mm-hmm. routes. And like Patrick Peterson says, his body kind of lies to you. His, you know, you usually read a guy's hips or whatever, kind of read a certain cut. And you go, I know he's going this way, and Jefferson goes the other way or whatever. Um, and just like the stickiness, right? The fact that we we talked about this, like how in double coverage he seems to grab the ball and obviously we look at that you know the catch in buffalo or whatever and you're like he just has like kind of this almost superhuman hand-eye coordination or whatever so i think jeff obviously justin jefferson needs um a good quarterback a shift from a defensive to an offensive coach helped him a good culture helps him but he's less of some of the parts and this is going to the narrative thing like we've known for a while that kansas city is doing a lot of things right right they get Mm -hmm. weapons for him andy reed's a good coach um in some ways, Mahomes, I think, benefited from not starting right away, right? Um, Justin Jefferson would need such a crazy narrative, right? It'd have to be like, people would have to trust the Vikings are kind of like a Super Bowl team. And I think right now people look and go, they're benefiting from a pretty easy schedule and they're barely getting pot against bad teams and all this. And how are they going to handle the Niners in the, in the playoffs? How are they going to handle like, you know, playing Philadelphia again or, or Dallas again or whatever? Um so again, like it sounds funny that it's like we're talking about the best player, the most valuable player, but because it's a narrative award, you have to take everything into account. 
my, you know, my qualm here is not like that he should win it. It's more just like if the odds are that bad for one of the most transcendent receivers in the game, like something's up with the award. We're just, we're literally just awarding the best quarterback basically that year. Yeah. That's it's a, the, the narrative thing's a really good point, Tom. Cause like that, you see that with all these awards, like the MVP in, in the NBA, even the MVP in, you know, the MLB, uh, the Heisman trophy award, like a guy has a good first month, first two months of the season doesn't really matter. Cause if the guy has, mm-hmm. a, if someone else has a, has a really good final three, four weeks of the season, they're going to pass that guy who, who, if he'd just been kind of consistent level playing field all, all year. So it is a narrative award. Justin Jefferson would need quite the narrative over the next month. Um, perhaps starts that against sauce Gardner this week on, you know, we'll talk more about that matchup th- Thursday in Thursday's episode, that's something I, I I can't wait to watch in person on Sunday. Um, Justin Jefferson versus Sauce Gardner, you know, one on one. I would imagine he shadows. Yeah. Um, we'll get into that more Thursday. But yeah, I, I'm glad we got to kind of get this Justin Jefferson talk out of the way because looking at the boards yesterday, I was like, "Come on, like this is a little ridiculous." Yeah, yeah. Um, I agree with you. If if the odds are so stretched in one, you know, to one side of the spectrum, you know, against one of the most transcendent players in the league, probably time to reevaluate the award to a degree. Um, Justin Jefferson spectacular. We're not breaking any news there. So we'll just leave it there. We'll, we'll come when we come back, we're going to talk about someone else. Um, he's not nearly as transcendent as Justin Jefferson, <laughs> but will be very, very important to what the Vikings want to do in the next month, two months into the playoffs. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Why take one vacation with the family when you could take all of them? With Royal Caribbean, you don't just go to the beach. You visit a private island and race down the tallest water slide in North America. You don't just go for a road trip. You ATV and zip line through the jungle. You don't just go somewhere new. You rappel down waterfalls and discover ancient temples. Because this isn't just any vacation. This is all the vacations. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani alongside Tom Schreier. We just broke down Justin Jefferson's candidacy for MVP. We both agree he's not going to win it. Probably shouldn't win it. It's a quarterback award. Mahomes is going to win that thing. Um, (laughs) But let's put some more respect on that guy's name. I think he's getting it, obviously. But, I don't know, plus 10,000 win the MVP. Let's just bump those odds a little. Maybe maybe after this podcast drops, Tom, those odds will shoot up. Because uh, yeah, we, we influence Vegas. Big yeah, influence. they're just going to start hammering plus ten thousand. Um, yeah, couple yeah. couple whales hit that, and then and then the odds move. So <laughs> I don't want to say enough about Justin Jefferson because I could talk about him all day, mm-hmm. but enough about him for now. You mentioned someone when in the last segment um, talking about. Without Justin Jefferson, this team maybe wins six games because the talent outside of him is just not immense. But, mm-hmm. but the guy you mentioned as the secondary pass catcher on this team, 
because he has become the secondary pass catcher on this team. He's passed Adam Thielen in, in that mm-hmm. sense. Is TJ Hawkinson, who the Vikings traded for at the trade deadline. Kwesi Adolfo Mensa flips a second round pick. I think a second and a third for TJ Hawkinson and, and a couple of conditional picks. So call it a second um, because that's like the pick that everyone's going to be talking about when the NFL draft rolls around in April, May, um, that the Vikings traded this second round pick that now belongs to the Lions for TJ Hawkinson. Home run trade at the time. I thought, mm-hmm. what do you think a month in? Because I still think it's a home run. Yeah, I think this is interesting. I, it's probably something we should have asked about before the New England game. But so just to be clear, Hawkinson had 179 yards receiving. This is a tight end. This is that stupid like Detroit-Seattle game. I think this is actually when the Vikings were in London, um, 48-45. But still, 179 yards. The next game, they get shut out. Detroit does by New England, and he has six yards. So that was the guy that Belichick decided to take out, right? That tells you yeah, he's yeah. their best player, right? And I think here's the thing. I think tight ends should be more appreciated um, because they're asked to block, you know, they're kind of like integral to the team. Wes Phillips and one of his availabilities said a receiver once told him straight up. He's like, dude, I'm a good receiver. I don't need to need to block. Right. And like, (laughs) you think of like Adrian Peterson being like, I'm a good rusher. I don't need to catch the ball. Right. And like, uh, no tight end can say that. That is part of their job. I think there's the jury's out if Hawkinson's actually a good blocker, not because of his technique or physicality, but because of who he cho- chooses to block. Regardless, he is asked of a, to do a lot. And I think the fact that he comes into that Washington game, I actually thought he wouldn't have that big of a role, given that they kind of trust Johnny Munt. You know, like Munt's kind of the do-everything sort of, right? The jack-of-all-trades, master of none. Um, yeah. you know, he nine nine seventy nine seventy yards receiving. So he makes an instant impact, goes through the effort of in four days learning the offense to the extent he can. Um, I think here's the thing. I think Thielen, because he had the heights he did, and because of the go back to the narratives around him, right? Like, how the hell did this guy out of Mankato become this good of a receiver? Um people now are kind of frustrated with him again i think he might be hurt or like dealing with something that's slowing down i also think if you look at the totals right he's actually usually the second highest total the difference is hawkinson's like just the second biggest threat because you don't expect a tight end to do what he does you know what i'm saying so i'm with you he's the best second best patch pass catcher i think it was a must to go make this move i don't think um Spielman does this. I, the crazy thing is that we knew he was good. I thought he was a franchise player. I thought Detroit was going to throw money at him just to kind of maintain the guys who sell jerseys, the guys who make a difference. I think it's insane Detroit traded him, but it's not like a Chris Herndon situation where if like Herndon had been an impact player, he'd be like, man, the jets are a mess. They just didn't know what they had in him. Right. This is a very known commodity who the Vikings, I I mean, swapped kind of significant capital, but like, they stole him. You know what I mean? Like right. he has been as advertised and they've needed him so that it, you're right. It's just a, it was a brilliant trade at the time. It looks like it now. Well, think about the, the rhetoric surrounding the trade deadline a month ago. It was like, who's available. Chase Claypool is available. Brandon cooks is available. Uh, whatever mid tier receiver is available. And then Quasi comes out and swings for CJ Hawkinson who, mm-hmm. We didn't even know was available because yeah. he's so good. Like, because nowhere in a million years would you think that the Detroit Lions, who suck, are going to yeah. trade away one of their best players. Like, he is one of their best players. I, I get it. You, you mentioned, obviously, the New England game where he got taken out of that game. But 
when when you look at pass catchers on the Detroit Lions, and, and you just look at how they have, you know, the history of being kind of futile, but now they have Amon Ross St. Brown. They have Jamison Williams, who we can talk about that. Yeah, draft. yeah, yeah, he sounds familiar. Right. Yeah, right. Like the Vikings could have drafted him, but they have those two receivers now. We don't know anything about Jamison Williams yet, but we we assume he's going to be good. If he never popped his ACL, he would have been the first receiver off the board in, in, mm-hmm. in last year's draft. Amon Ross St. Brown looks looks great, looks amazing, looks like he's going to be someone who can impact winning at a high level for for years to come. And you had T.J. Hawkinson right there, like it, it just makes sense to have that those two receivers on the outside and T.J. Hawkinson running over the middle. Not only do you trade TJ Hawkinson, you trade him to a division rival mm-hmm. who is in the midst of not only a playoff push, but trying to convince everyone they're a Super Bowl contender. So, yes, yeah. they, they stole him. They, they definitely stole him. And, and everything TJ Hawkinson does well, the routes he runs, you know, the, the places on the field where he finds holes in the defense, that's where Kirk Cousins loves to throw. So, that was why I thought it was a home run at the time, is because how many times in the past year and a half, have we seen Kirk Cousins throw to the tight end over the middle and, and you know, third and, and Tyler eight, Conklin or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. yeah third and eight throws a, th- a five yard route to Tyler Conklin or a four yeah. yard route to Irv Smith. Well, TJ Hawkinson is running those routes. Maybe not at the right depth still, but like he's breaking a tackle and getting a first down. So what he does is what Kirk Cousins likes to do. And in the fact that he's come in right away and just proven to be, you know, a, a high factor in this offense is, is proof that you know, great trade at the time. Great trade right now. Yeah. I mean, I think back and I, I always feel bad picking on Irv Smith because of the injury. It's kind of like the two, a thing, like you kind of hope a guy like puts it together, stays healthy, uh, becomes the player that they're supposed to be. But you think of that Philadelphia game, if Irv Smith reels that in. Right. And right. I think that makes it like 24, 14, it's not enough to win, but like that's a momentum changing play. Obviously, that sucks when he drops it and he had a clear look at the end zone or whatever. But I think that's kind of what Hawkins said. Again, he's not – you can't expect 100 yards out of him. He's not a pure receiver. Um, but I think I think one of the coolest things about this, the, the McVay scheme and kind of the McVay guys, if you will, is that they value tight ends. I, you know, I kind of was mm-hmm. curious as receivers become more prominent and you want just kind of straight line speed and Chris Browts and, and a dedicated um, pass catcher would tight ends kind of go the way of the dodo and i think instead they realize how different obviously it's it's um there is still a running aspect to what they do and and the tight ends should chip in on the um run blocking also for like think of the situation the vikings were or maybe still are in where you lose derisaw and you see how exposed they got by dallas Mm -hmm. washington also expand like that's where a tight end helps you right the chip and then he's kind of the outlet um i i mean yeah, if you could have like done a creative player basically and been like, here's the guy that you should give the Vikings, right? This is kind of a they would have created someone who probably looks like he should be cast in a Vikings show or something. <laughs> but but be like a guy from Iowa whose dad was a Vikings fan who who you know like is the perfect guy for Kirk as you were saying here, the second best pass pass catcher. Also, just like. I think he can be reliable as an outlet as in to get yards after the catch and stuff like that. So um, it's very, very funny that the lions did this. It, it, 
people talk about the memes of like going from the one win team to the team that only had, uh, lost one game at that point. It's a very funny that the Lions have actually won a few more games since. And I, at one point I thought like the Dan Campbell regime's over, that this was just kind of a hard knock sensation and nothing more. I'm not convinced he's a brilliant coach or that he's going to turn him into a champion, but it is funny how the Lions have kind of changed. And if the Lions had maybe gotten wins earlier, do they think differently about this? Mm-hmm. Right. But the Vikings capitalize on the moment. And, and so I think for a guy like Quasi, who you can criticize the draft class again, we got to give it a little time and I understand injuries have influenced it, but you know, people see Watson playing well for the Packers and go, Oh boy. And you know, if, if, if um, Williams does a good job in Detroit, you go, man, they could have used a second receiver, but you know, I think the, for Quasi to pick up a win early in his career, showing aggressiveness, getting an impact player, getting a guy who's going to cash a pretty big check for the Vikings. Like, I mean, I think it's huge for him. It's huge for the team. It's also just like you could tell like kind of Wes Phillips and and, um, O'Connell, like when they talk about him, they're never going to put down Irv. They shouldn't. But they're like, this is the guy they thought Irv Smith would be. Exactly. And that that is a good point. Like Irv Smith, even going back to last year before he tore his meniscus and missed the whole season, was supposed to was was viewed as like the key that was going to unlock this next level of a Vikings offense. He wasn't, he got injured and he proved this year that he wasn't again. Injuries have, have you feel bad for that kid because injuries have ravaged that guy's career mm-hmm. um, between the knee, the thumb and training camp, obviously his, his current injury, the high ankle sprain, like you feel bad for him, but also he, I don't think he was ever going to be the player that everyone thought he would be the player that TJ Hawkinson just is the the Mm -hmm. player that he is and the impact he can make the, the point you made also about the Sean McVay offense and how they, they value the tight end, like more teams should, like if you Mm -hmm. can find a team or a player that is bigger than the safeties and faster than the linebackers that can find soft coverages in defenses Look, I'm not saying TJ Hawkinson is Travis Kelsey, but it, there's a reason Travis Kelsey is so dominant. He doesn't even run routes half the time. He just runs to open spaces, and like he is a large target. That obvious. I'm not. I don't want to like dumb down Travis Kelsey's excellence, but like it makes sense why that guy is so good. And no, but, I think that's. I think that's a phenomenal point. And sorry, I'm just jumping on it before I forget. The no. looking back at like that Chargers game, um, I'm just trying to think of a context where like everyone kind of saw this, like. Again, don't take anything away from Mahomes, but context is important. Mm-hmm. Mahomes has other weapons. He did lose one big one, right? And it just seemed like repeatedly, like in the biggest moments, right? Instead of looking for a guy running a crisp route, a guy beating a you know corner down the seam, whatever it is, it was Kelsey, 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 Kelsey right? And like you think of like Kelsey just losing it and whipping the ball, right? Like that was kind of that's their connection. And I, even I, you know, just cause it happened right after the game, I had the interview on afterwards and they're praising each other. And I think realize how important they are to each other. So again, mm-hmm. if you don't have that tight end, you have to deal with the personnel you have. I like Johnny Munt. There's something I like about the guy who kind of does everything. And like literally the first play of the year, they go to him and I was like, <laughs> Johnny Munt's like, who is this guy? But, uh, but I think, um, you know, if you have him, you can't do this. Right. But if you have this dynamic guy, I think it's why you look at like eighth overall and you go, why, why did you go tight end when the edge rusher makes such an impact when a linebacker can certainly a quarterback or receiver it's because it's because of what you're mentioning here, the, the mismatch, the team guy aspect of it. Um, the fact that like, I just think at times 
teams look at a guy like Hawkinson and go, what do we do with him? Literally because mm-hmm. you don't know what he's going to do on each individual play. Justin Jefferson's going to run a route most likely. Right. Um, and, and in this case, he could be blocking for Dalvin cook or whatever. So I think, yeah, I don't know this. And just the other funny thing is I was like, was he forcing his way out of Detroit? You know what I mean? Like, was this kind of behind the scenes? I could be wrong. Again, we don't, we only get a certain amount of access to the player, but like, he does not seem like kind of the firebrand type who, you know, he doesn't seem like the diva receiver. Let's put it that way. Right. He doesn't yeah. look like, seem like the guy who's like, get me out of here. What's your plan? Dan Campbell's driving me nuts. Cause he's had like 17 coffees this morning. He's going to pass out in the afternoon or whatever, you know, like he just, he seemed, he seems like a content guy who goes and studies and does his thing. Um, this might just be Detroit really messing something up. And I, I don't know. I think it's going to be really interesting if like this kind of barrier, right. That, that it used to be don't trade within the division. Don't give a team draft cap or whatever. If these teams decide just to go to head to head and especially if they see an opportunity, if Rogers is declining, if there's, you know, kind of blood in the water with the Packers, I love that these teams are like going right at each other with their own picks and their whatever. And so I think this is such an interesting wrinkle. And I do think it's so funny that Detroit somehow traded this guy. I think that's all that we need to say about TJ Hawkins. I, I I will be interested to kind of watch the progression of his career though, right? Because for the rest of TJ Hawkinson's career, and he will get extended in Minnesota this offseason, he's going to be here for a long time. They did not trade a second round pick for uh, to rent the guy. He, he He's a, a part of their future. But yeah, every, every two times a year, they're going to play Detroit. And <laughs> they, Detroit, the Lions are going to leave themselves open for, for these pot shots that we're taking yeah, yeah. now that we'll probably take next week when, when the Vikings go to Detroit. Um, it'll just be a story for a very long time because a team that has proven to be dysfunctional, ineffective, whatever word you want to use, proved to be that again at the trade deadline. So when we come back, we'll break down the rest of the Viking schedule. Actually, before Tom became a co-host, we had him on after a game. I think Tom said that they were going to win 13 games. That's still in the, that, you know, at the time I was making fun of him. Saying Sold him short. No but now look at him. Now look at him. He's a co-host and he might be right. Uh, when we go, when we come back, we'll break down the rest of the schedule. Kind of the games that maybe scare us. Um, there's not many, uh, spoiler alert. So we'll, we'll break that down when we come back. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Welcome back to Inside Purple and Gold. I'm Dane Mizutani, joined by Tom Schreier. If you like what you're hearing, give us a follow. Inside Purple and Gold, we're anywhere you get your podcasts. Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts. Uh, Give us a follow on there. 
anytime we drop an episode, it'll it'll pop up on your phone, your computer, whatever. Um, and if you like what you're hearing, give us a rating and a review. That helps us too. Tom, let's look at the rest of the schedule. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it was probably a month and a half ago now. I forget what after what game. I think it was maybe after the Bears game. Um, yeah. I had you on. We went through the rest of the schedule. It was just a win or a loss, win or loss, win, 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 win. We were doing it in such rapid fire succession that by the time we got to the end of it, I think we had the Vikings at like 13 and four. Mm-hmm. And we were both like, all right, we got to go back and pick some losses because they're not going to go 13 and four. Yeah. Yet here they are heading into this Sunday's game, which will be contested on December 4th. So the, the calendar is going to turn to December before this weekend. The Vikings are nine and two heading into December with a soft, soft schedule left. So I don't want to talk too much about the Jets game because we'll bring that up in Thursday's episode. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll kind of break down the intricacies of that game, how the Vikings win, who scares us on the Jets. But looking at the rest of the schedule, I'll just run through it. Vikings play the Jets. I mean, they host them. Then they travel to Detroit, play the Lions, host the Colts, host the Giants, Travel to Lambeau on on New Year's Day, play the Packers, and then travel to Soldier Field to play the Bears, who will probably be driving in reverse at that point, trying to tank Mm -hmm. um, in the final week of the regular season. What game scares you the most on this? I know who it, which game it is for me, but I'm curious what game it is for you. And and scares is probably not even the right word because there aren't a lot of games on here that that are like, wow, that could be a bad one. It is funny how the dynamics of the schedule change a little bit beginning. I know this happens every year, but beginning of the year, kind of when we were going through it, by the way, you know, I hedged it saying like, well, they can't keep winning at the margin. And it's like outside of a game where they just got like blasted by the, they have. By, by the Cowboys. <laughs> like, like, I mean, here's the thing anything can happen. I actually think the margin's still in play here, but like, mm-hmm. you know, they have proven like they'll even the stupid Buffalo game where they were down what 17 yep. and I, it took a Josh, Josh Allen, one of the best players in the league fumbling, you know, in the end zone or whatever to kind of save them. But having said that, um, initially, like he asked me three weeks ago, I would have gone giants. It sounds dumb. It's the lions game. Like it's just too easy to overlook, you know, like if, if yeah. they come off, I think the jets will push them. I think it's a bit of a gut check game. You know, we'll get into it um, in the, in the next week, but like, let's say they come off a victory there where you go, Hey, I think we solidified, you know, the kind of show what they did, I guess, against new England, but like, you know, solidified the the pressure and, and give Kirk time to operate. And, you know, Justin Jefferson keeps plowing through these good defense, whatever you could start feeling good about yourself. And then, you know, the truth with Dan Campbell, and this is probably what makes him different than a lot of other um, Detroit coaches. He's so emotional that I think, Think of how like I almost felt bad for him after the game where uh, the 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 one that they won last year in Minnesota where Campbell's like crying, you know, and you're like, you're like, dude, this is gonna be tough if like this is your life. It's the Detroit Lions, man. Yeah. But like, they'll Detroit will be up for it, and I think Campbell will drive home. We were 45 seconds from be- a KJ Osborne touchdown from beating this yeah. team. And yeah. we're, we were better since, right? I mean, by nature of being a one-win team to whatever they are now. But, like, I do worry a little bit because I'm just looking at kind of the rest of these games, and they're all winnable. This is playing, you know, an easy schedule. This is being a much-improved team. Um, I just worry. It's not like you're looking ahead to anything because you shouldn't be looking ahead to a Colts game or whatever. But, like, it's just it's just more like that you kind of let your foot off the gas, right? They, they've been tested – um, tested in Buffalo, 
obviously tested by Dallas. We knew that was going to be a tough one. And I think that was one of the few that we said they would lose. Um, New England tested them. I think the Jets will in their own way. You just, I worry about that kind of after a four game slog, them going, mm-hmm. ah, it's Detroit, right? And like, it's hard, it's hard even asking players questions about that game because you're like, who's on that roster again? And like, you know what I mean? Like some of these we know intuitively, right? We'll, we'll know the the best teams. But yeah, you know, I do I do just worry about it. There's other games that they could hit, hit a snag, right? I mean, you could you could see, you know, like in Lambo, if whatever, like just a stupid, you know, Jordan Love wants to make a statement, right? Oh, I beat the Vikings, right? But like, I do worry about the letdown going into Detroit. Yeah, I think that I like that one. They 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 did lose in Detroit last year, so that, that's a good point. Um, I think the common sense answer is probably New York, but I agree with you. I I think that's a scary game because I think the Jets are better than we've ever seen. It's like since like in the past decade, I think they're like a actually competent football team now. I think they have a phenomenal defense, so I think that game is dangerous. But I think you're right. I think that's a game you know you're going to be tested. You go in with that mindset, and I think the Vikings handle them. Um, I think it'll be close. I think it'll be a close game. But that's not a game that necessarily scares me. I think the Vikings are better than the Jets. Mm-hmm. The game that scares me on the schedule is Week six, is Week 17 Green Bay because mm-hmm. yeah, I don't think Green Bay is very good. I think by that point, Jordan Love will be the quarterback. But we want to talk about narratives in the MVP, Tom. I got to talk about narratives with Minnesota sports because, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, I, I look. I don't think the Vikings are catching Philly, right? But I do think that if they take care of business with Philly having to play Dallas at some point, like the Vikings should get the number two seed in the NFC, mm-hmm. barring a slip up against maybe say the Lions or maybe say Week 17 against the Packers, a team that at that point will have nothing to play for except for trying to ruin the Vikings playoff potential or hosting whatever playoff game there. I think that game scares me in the sense of it just makes too much sense for the Vikings to have a letdown there. Um, if, for, if I'm looking at the rest of the schedule, that game kind of pops out as like, okay, that could, that could be one that just the way things have gone in the past with these two teams pops up and changes something in in the playoff standings where you go from instead of hosting a, a wild card game and a divisional game you just go from hosting a wild card game to now traveling for that divisional game yeah it, yeah I don't know and if I, it actually makes sense in the grand scheme of like these two teams because the vikings are i like very very unequivocally better than the packers at this point it's just one that scares me with the past no and i you think about you know like what that game was last year it was like the vikings were kind of right they were maybe now they're the bizarro vikings but you know they were a different version where it's like they're hanging and hanging and hanging and zimmer's like beating the the drum of like oh cincinnati was unfortunate what if greg joseph hits the field goal you know right and he's trying to save his job and, and it was all sorts of dysfunction i think what i wrote after that game is the vikings finally broke you know what i mean it's like they were held together held together held together held together and then bam like between cousins obviously getting COVID and then and not being able to play and like the fact that the packers just beat them mercilessly in front of their own fans and stuff like i was like okay the vikings are toast right and like um i think at some point the vikings should have kind of the cathartic like 
win by more than one score, right? <laughs> However, it's like, if anything, there should be pressure on them if they don't to that point to do it there, like do it in Lambo. Put, you know, make a statement that like, this isn't just a this year thing. Like the, you know, we're taking over and, and they went into Lambo and, and got the win. And like, I do think there's some pressure on the division rivalry. The fact that for Jordan Love specifically, there's no better way to endear yourself to a fan base than to go beat the Vikings and put a, you know, like drop them in the rankings. Cause, cause the narrative would come up again when the Vikings, you know, if the Vikings lose in the playoffs and you're like, that could have been a home game and Jordan Love yeah. screwed up or whatever. So like, I think, yeah, I mean, I, I just, I think that's a dangerous game because it's just, it's always going to matter unless one of the two teams really drops off. So um, I'm with you, just kind of the emotional tension there and the fact that like the Vikings would have this opportunity to completely reverse, right? It would be kind of like the f- come f- full circle that a year ago they broke there and this is where they kind of put the Packers out of their misery. I do think there's pressure on the game as much as the team will deny it that whole week. <laughs> For sure. But we are not overlooking the New York Jets game coming up this weekend. Me and Tom will be back on Thursday to talk more about that. It's a 9-2 Vikings team versus 7-4 and four Jets team. I don't think a lot of people who casually follow the NFL would assume that the Jets are 7-4 and four and have one of the best defenses in the league. So we will break all of that down when we come back on Thursday morning. Right now, I have to get in the car and drive in this what looks to be actually a pretty big snowstorm time. I wasn't big. expecting this. Um, we might get like four to eight inches of snow today in Minnesota. So we will be back Thursday breaking it all down for Tom Schreier. I'm Dane Mizutani. This is Inside Purple and Gold. We're out. Twenty Four Hundred Sports is an Odyssey company. 